If you would, open your Bibles. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going we're gonna to be reading uh, verses 13 through 17. So, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Darian did a, a, a great job last week bringing us all the way from chapter uh, 2 up to verse 13 right here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up on it. But one of the things I want to I wanna challenge us with is um, last week, part, part of the section that, that Darian was talking about said living stones. And, and I've, I've read a lot about living stones. I've thought a lot about living stones. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of different uh, directions I've thought of this. But one of the most recent analogies that, that I love to grab from this living stones is that when Jesus Christ comes into our heart, he gives us purpose, he gives us meaning, he gives us life. And, um, and Jesus likes to take those, the living stones, which is himself, and I like to look at it at the body of Jesus Christ and look and see what Jesus is building. Look and see what he's doing with our church. You see, each and every one of us, God has gifted us. We have our own strengths, our own passions, our own gifts, our own abilities. And it takes all of us coming together to make this work, this body that we move together and we call church. It takes all of us to do this. And we, we do it in so many different ways. I mean, we wake up and we're the church wherever we go. Um, we wake up and we, and we give our life to Jesus Christ. Uh, we, uh, even as a church coming together, I mean, we, we can do so much together, but apart, separate, we're isolated and we're cut off and, and we are vulnerable. And so I want to challenge us is maybe, maybe go back through and, and read um, through the, the second chapter of what we got up to and what Darian was reading last week and just really contemplate how are you with Jesus Christ? Are you in love with him? You are a living stone. Jesus has written his name on your heart. If, if at any time in your life you say, Jesus, I need you, I call upon your name. And that is an exciting thing. That's an awesome thing. And so I, I couldn't help but kind of kind of touch on that because it, it just it makes me excited. As I look forward here um, with Church Project, uh, I get excited. I get really excited. Um, I, I, I get depressed as well. <laughs> uh, I, there's days I feel completely alone and isolated, probably like you guys. There's days um, in what I do that I feel like, man, I'm the only one pushing and pulling, probably like you guys. Uh, there's days when I am alone and I'm getting picked off, if I'm just being honest and being vulnerable here. There's days that Satan gets in my mind and gets in my heart and, and makes us negative. But Lord and I have just talked about this, you know, this week. Man, how did we slip into being negative people? Have you ever been negative? It's so easy to slip into this. And we can't do that. Especially as followers of Jesus Christ, we've got everything to live for. It's oftentimes when our perspective gets off that we start sliding into the lies of Satan. And so I want to encourage us as we're looking forward. Um, this is a little challenge, and then we'll get into our verses. But the challenge is, as we look forward, let's move together. Let's be all in on what God's calling us to do. Because we may be small, but our hearts are huge. Uh, in in, in uh, crabgrass and oak trees, one of the one of the things that Jonathan and I wrote about was this guy. He went up to an old pastor, and he said this. He goes, "How big is your church?" 
And the old pastor, knowing wisdom, didn't say, depends on how you measure it. Are you measuring it by number or by hearts? By number, we may not be big. By hearts, we're enormous. And so I want to put us in that place. How big is Church Project Greeley? By hearts, enormous. And I'm excited to see what God does through this. Let's go to verse 13, chapter 1, verse 13. And we're going to go all the way through verse 17. And so let me just read it for you, and then we'll go back through. What, did I say it wrong? Chapter 2. Chapter 2, yeah, sorry. First Peter chapter 2. 13 through 17. And you can read along if you'd like. We're reading NIV, the old school NIV. This is what it says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to condemn those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Did I I mess up? People are smiling. Commend, sorry. You know what I meant. If I look up and I see smiles, I know something went wrong. I'm like, man, just shoot, just shoot it out. Okay. Well, that would change the whole meaning. So we're not, we're not, we're not going to go there, okay? Um, but I want, I want to kind of give you this. When we first started uh, First Peter, I gave you some context, but I want to put this in context again for us today. One of the contexts... Sorry, Lauren, I got, pian- I got water on the piano. Um, One of the contexts that is so important for us is this. Peter is writing to people just like us. Like, keep this in mind. Peter is writing to people just like us. In fact, after he wrote this, three years after he wrote uh, 2 Peter, he was killed. He was hung upside down for his beliefs. The people of this time were ruled by Nero, and he was the Roman emperor from 54 to 68 AD. And Nero, um, if we can, if we can kind of clarify who he was a little bit, I'll just do it by one word: unstable. Nero was unstable. Um, Nero went to the degree of this: he would dip Christians in oil, okay? Then he would put them on a stake in his garden and set them on fire so they would give light for his garden during the night. Unstable, would you say? Okay, he would do that. Um, He is known for ordering family members to be murdered. He's unstable. He's known to really hate Christians. In fact, he would do a couple other things. He would skin Christians, and he would put them in boiling water. And then and then one I thought was very creative but sick and twisted is he would take dead animal carcasses, sow them to living Christians, and throw them in pits with wild animals to eat and mutilate it. This, this is the context in which we just read right here. Nero is the, the leader of the day. And this is what he's doing to Christians. Written to a people in a, in a society that's increasingly against God. Does this play into today a little bit, where we're at? Maybe not even to the degree of this, but does this play into where we're at as America? Written to a society that's increasingly against God. The Christians during this time period, I think, are a lot like us today. They were looking at Peter as he was writing this, and they're saying, are you kidding me? 
you you write in verse 13 that I'm supposed to submit myself, ourselves, to the authority. And yet, the authority, Nero is doing this to Christians? Are you kidding me? How am I supposed to do this? And, and, and it poses kind of a question for us today, is how are we to respond when our government and our leaders are making whatever um, we see as the worst possible cause or the worst decisions ever, they're making them daily and they go against what we think. Because I believe the Christians during the Nero time here weren't in unison with the degrees that Nero was making. In fact, he was making some of the worst calls ever, and yet Peter is writing, we are to submit. So I want to put this in context for us, because where they were at is where we're at, and, and newsflash, as America uh, continues to grow, we're going to get further and further away from what God is saying. And we're seeing it every single day. And so this context is for us today. I want to look at verse 13. Because 13 starts out, and what's the very first word in 13? Submit. What is submit? Submit to willingly give up your rights. Do we have a right to drive 80 miles an hour in a 45? Yes, we absolutely do. Do we have a right to use leaded gas instead of unleaded? Um, yeah, we can. It's going to be a mess. We have all these rights. And, 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 and Peter writes and he says, submit to willingly give up your rights. Well, why? Why is he saying to do this? Well, look, just to the, to the right of that, submit yourself. Why? For the Lord's sake. Is it submit just so you can buck the system and go against it and, and, and take a stand? Absolutely not. It's saying submit yourselves. Why? For the Lord's sake. I read this. And, and I go, man, are you sure, God? Like, are you sure this is your plan? Are, are you sure you want me to submit to the authorities of the land? What about, what about um, me fighting for justice? What about me standing up for my rights? What about me going out and just causing a wave in this world and getting people to listen and to follow and to live it passionately, like make a difference in the world? How does that go inside uh, coincide with this word submit and especially why do you tell me to submit for your sake it doesn't make sense but i'm human so i don't really know how god's thinking in this that can't be right and then we come to mark 10:45 if you know mark 10:45 for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many that is such a powerful verse. When I come across this verse and I think of Jesus Christ, He had all right to come into the time frame called earth. He had all right to come in and say, serve me. He had all right to come in on, 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 and just declare that we need to follow Him and we don't have a choice and all this stuff. But Jesus came and He gave us as an example. And, and he said, I want to live my life and show you that I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And as Christians, when I hear that, I go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for living your life in such a way that you've shown me how to do this. And so what does that mean in our context of today? Well, it means Mr. President or government or, or whatever else, whatever they've done, our first reaction oftentimes, if it goes against what we think they should do, is anger 
And I wonder if that really should be our first reaction. I wonder if our first reaction or first thought should be submit. I wonder. As I line up text, this week has been an incredible week for me. I've spent a lot of time studying on this. And this is one of those verses and passages that's easy just to kind of skip over and, and not preach on. Because, man, it's hard. This is a tough passage to preach on. But if we get this, God is going to change our mind and change our heart. So hang in here, okay? Hang in here. I'm not a, I'm not a big guy uh, that gets into protests. I don't really like protests a whole lot. And mainly it's because that, that, that old little Matthew 22 thing where it just says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's hard for me to kind of get in the midst of protests and, and still think, am I loving my neighbor as myself? And so I've always had this internal battle going in me. And um, man, I'm the kind of guy that rather I would do this. I would rather invite you for a lemonade, sit down, talk, than to throw lemonade in your face to get your attention. And this is, this is just kind of me. This is kind of how I operate. I don't know if you guys can relate to this or not, but this is just me. So me, I find myself here, as I'm looking at these scriptures, I find myself, God's asked us to serve because he came not to be served, but to serve. He's asking us to serve, and he's asking us to love because that whole love your neighbor as yourself in, in Matthew 22. He's asking us to do that, and he's given us that as an example, Okay. And then we contrast that with what we talked about a couple weeks ago in Acts chapter 5. Remember in Acts chapter 5 what was happening? The apostles were doing these incredible miracles and then the, and, people, and talking about Jesus. And then they got thrown into the prison and an angel came and, and rescued them. And then they, the apostles went to the temple courts and they were preaching the good news. And then they were arrested again and, and brought before the leaders. And the leaders said, stop it or you'll die. And, and what did they say? They, they basically said, are we here to serve you or serve God? And so are they submitting at that moment? No. They're not. And then we get to that story, and a lot of you know it. We've maybe heard it in Sunday school or whatever. Daniel chapter 1 through 3 is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same kind of scenario, right? They're asked to bow down before a, a false god, and they're like, we won't do it. And they're thrown into a fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So how do we look at you know, this, this serve and this love and submit against the, uh, against the you know, fighting what, what, what is going on in your day. And here it is. Our submission to authority stops where sin would be caused. Our submission to authority stops where sin would be caused. As a church, we better be very cautious as to not enter into political debates and quarrels at the expense of the gospel. And I'm going to say that again. At the, as a church, we better be very cautious as to not enter into political debates and quarrels at the expense of the gospel. See, we are not placed on this earth to see our party lines take office. That's not why we are alive. We're not here to make sure our party line takes office. So here's the question. When do we take a stand? When? And if we do, it better be from serving and loving. It's got to come from serving and loving. 
Okay, so what does that mean practically for us today? A lot of you, uh, here we go, a lot of you uh, heard about Chick-fil-A today. Or Chick-fil-A in the news this week. Chick-fil-A, okay. I went. And, and Chick-fil-A, you know, got, got a lot of uh, ridicule or whatever for standing up and, and basically saying they believe in traditional marriage. And, and then there was a whole debate going on. Anyone not aware of that? Okay, okay. Whatever, Dan. Okay. Huge, 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 man. And I, and I, and I sent out a couple tweets, you know, just saying, like, one of them was, hey, Chick-fil-A, here's an idea. You know, take all the proceeds from today and go, like, serve picnics of love in cities and feed homeless people. Because I guarantee on Wednesday or whatever day, they made millions. They made so much money. Well, I went. And I got to tell you, I, I, was t- I was torn against going, not going, to liking it on Facebook. To what, I didn't like it on Facebook, but I ended up going. And I went because, you know what, honestly, I've got three or four guys that are extremely close to me that I've had relationships with um, that are gay. And I went. And I made sure that when I was going, I was texting them. And I made sure that my conversation with these, with these men that I absolutely love, that we kept the conversation going all week long. And some of them were extremely mad that I even went. One of them even said, you know what, I'm going to have to cool off a little bit and we'll talk next week. I'm like, okay, cool. I, you know, it was so important to me to keep the dialogue going because I see a great company doing good things. And I, I, I posted an article that, that Darian had posted as well about Chick-fil-A and, and, and what they've done and been a part. Great company, doing cool things. And, and then, uh, how can you say that they're a hate organization? And I don't want to get into this debate. At the same time, at the same time, uh, Oreo cookies, you know, two months ago, uh, one month ago, created a rainbow-colored uh, Oreo cookie to, su- to support gays. Well, guess what? I love Oreo cookies, and I want to keep eating Oreo cookies as well, and just because they did that, how can Christians call them a hate organization? And this is a debate we can get into later, and we don't need to get into this. But this is this is kind of my reality. My fear, my reality is that we as a church threw lemonade in the people in the faces of people this week. If it always didn't show up in ain't Chick-fil-A or liked it on Facebook or whatever it may be. That's my fear. What I hope happens as Christians and as people that move together is that uh, I, res- I supported responsibly and that the, oh, the four guys that I know, I call them up. I want to talk to them. I want to keep this dialogue going and, and, and I'm posing questions to people saying, Christians, are we really doing it right? Are we really serving and are we really loving? So how does this hit our life? Okay, we'll get off Chick-fil-A for a second. How does this hit our life? I'll tell you how this hits our life. We belong to a king and a kingdom, not of this world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. We covered that last week. It says, live as aliens and strangers. We belong to a king and a kingdom, not of this world. This is not about our government. This is not about God. It is about God and submitting to him. This isn't about America. If we belong to a king and a kingdom that's not of this world, it's not about America. It's about submitting to God. So ask yourself, do you care more about government than the gospel? That's a good question. 
Do you care more about the government or keeping this American thing going than you do the gospel? Don't be distracted. I think that's where Satan comes in and distracts us. He puts all these little fights and quarrels that really, at the end of the day, don't mean anything because it's not even about the gospel. And oftentimes, I find myself distracted by all these little fights. It is about the gospel. Am I saying we don't get politically involved? No, we do. We pray. We vote. We trust God. End of the day... It's very clear. We need to submit to the authority that God has put in place over us. And how can I say this? Let's just look at our world at large. The gospel is spreading faster in closed countries with current day Neros running their government, okay, than it is in our own country. The gospel is spreading faster in persecuted countries than in America. We are one of the most free nations, the most one of the most wealthiest nations, and we are declining away faster from the gospel than any other nation. So if we put all our hope in government, is that a good place to put our hope? Absolutely not. One of my favorite books I would encourage you to get is called Back to Jerusalem. This is an incredible book. And it is uh, three Chinese house church leaders. And, and they share their complete vision as, as to what God's given them to do. But as I, read, as I read this book, this country shut Christians down. China shut them down. And it looked like to missionaries that that was the end of the gospel. So America got kicked out and missionaries got kicked out while there was an oppression going on. And we can speed it up to, to, the, to the day we are now. When they opened the country back up, there was more Christians than they knew what to do with. And it was incredible to see this. So how can the gospel in China, when China shuts down Christians completely, how did the gospel spread? So do we care more about our government or do we care more about the gospel? The key to the gospel isn't government. It's in verse 12. And if you have your Bible, open up to verse 12 right there. Go back a little. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So why do we submit to authority? Let's look at verse 14. Or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right do you understand those words sent by him that means you know what if your political race didn't win still sent by God they're an authority over us by the hand of God can we understand that no because sometimes their beliefs make our, our blood boil. But they're sent by God. What do you think the writers back in Nero's time were thinking when, when Peter was writing and saying, submit to authority? And they're like, no, I just watched my best friend dipped in oil and let on fire just simply for light. Do you think they thought that God had put Nero in place? In place by God. Let's go to verse 15. 
because I love this. This is like a life goal of mine. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. This is one of my life goals. Oftentimes, and we know this, our actions are going to be speaking louder than anything we do and we say, are you living such good life, such a good life, that if someone were to come against you with something, whoever heard it would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're not like that. I know them, and they're not like that. Verse 16, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Underline that, servants of God. Because Mark 10, 45, Jesus came to serve, right? And we should serve. Verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. So I want to ask you a question on this. Are you showing proper respect to everyone? It's easy in, in our current day to get caught up in the, the quickest fad, and it can even be a Christian fad, or to jump on, on topics sometimes that are, that are really close to us, and, and maybe we should do that, okay? But are we doing it with respect for everyone? God asks us to do it with respect for everyone. And if anyone should be leading the charge in serving and loving and respecting, it should be the Christians. Let me read these verses again. Submit yourself to the Lord's sake. To every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, uh oh, what word am I supposed to have there? And to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men. But do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. And show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. I want to read um, a quote of a song, and, and then we'll wrap up. But it's Robbie C. If any of you know Robbie C., the name of the song is Kingdom and a King. And it puts it in such perspective for us as a Christian. My heart is beating faster in my chest as I sing of where my loyalties will rest. To never wait on the governments to move as the broken and the poor cry out for you. For the kingdom and a king, for his glory we will sing. For the rescue of our souls, he has come. For the kingdom and a cross, oh, the triumph and the loss. Love is broken through and now redeemed for a kingdom and a king. Church, don't get caught up and the things that don't matter. We stand when there's injustice and it goes against the word of God. Yes, we do, and we do it passionately. But we do it with love, and we do it with respect. Do we believe that God can turn our leaders' hearts to Him? Yes, we do. 
So if you're politically inclined to boil and to go crazy, I ask you a question. How much are you praying for the leaders of our country? As Christians, that's our role. Pray for the leaders of our country. When we don't submit, we admit that we don't trust God who God has put in control. When we're not submitting, we're admitting that we don't trust who God has put in control. I want us to kind of close our eyes right now. Um, and maybe just pray a little bit, you know, and, and do a little self-reflection here. We talk about being a church project a lot. Talk about being in love with God a lot. So I want to ask you, and I've had to ask myself this question every day of my life. Are you content in simply being loved by Him today? Or phrased another way, are you happy in Him today and who He's created you to be? The days I often find myself distracted, arrogant, full of pride are the days that I'm not content just being a child of the King. I've lost that perspective. Where are you today? Did you wake up this morning smiling, knowing that a King has named you and loves you? We also talk about do. Well, are our actions honoring the king? What we do, does it honor the king? Here's a good question. How do I glorify God in my relationship to the authority placed in my life? And I gotta believe, church, that we as a people that 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 really understand that we're rescued and really understand what the pits of hell look like, and that God has gripped us from that. I gotta think, church, that this message is worth sharing wherever we go. Enough to smile at people when we're in a rush. Man, enough to invite people here. Enough to be all in on this. Because our world's falling apart. And God has saved us. Thank you, God, for saving us. May our actions honor you.